This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, good evening. We're holding over here um, in the 26th Hakdam, I think, um, where he speaks, or, or the, the um, 26th proposition, or Hakdama, where he speaks about the um, the different uh, the different propositions that uh, Aristotle made, and now the twenty sixth Ashesh ve'Esrim ve uh, or I, I don't know if I said ve'Chabal I think that's what holding Hakdama Achas Tichayev Hakadmus, and I'm going to add one more Hakdama, which is Mechayev Kadmus. Uh, meaning that certain things existed forever. Aristotle believes it to be more true than any other thing. And he makes he assumes it as presumption. The twenty-sixth. That time and motion were eternal, and they always existed as in in, in its realized format. You know, it's not as um, potential light, but actual light. Um, so, according to this, you know, it's something that comes out from this. Um, it, because time and motion need each other, so they must, whatever one is, the other one is. So we need to have some sort of item in this world that is nitzchi, and the and that's called what he calls geshem achamishi, meaning as follows. There are four types of um, f- four types of matter in the world: um, the the offer, the ruach, the mayim, and the Aish. All of them are very physical and and so on. There's a fifth um, material, and that is celestial material, the material that the heavens are made from, and they follow different rules and regulations than the regular stuff. That's the that is what what he what's what's what is what's what's mechayev in that svar. In other words, basically saying is I need to have an entity that is eternal, eternally moving. Nothing in this world fits the bill, so we're going to have um, something that is a fifth kind, and that's the celestial bodies. So this means that the heavens neither come into being nor disintegrate. Because it, it, um, motion never ceases to exist. And since we're going to see in a minute, motion is all, um, the repository of motion in the world is, is in that, in, in, in those uh, celestial beings. So therefore, they must be eternal. Because his point is, every motion has 
a motion that's a step before that set it into, into motion. So, imimina or mizulasmina, either internal or something outside of it. And we look at a living being where it doesn't seem as if there's any prior motion. In other words, a, a, a ball that rolls down someplace, something must have kicked it. Something must have blown it. But a balchai is not like that, so that seems to be not like that. That's not true. Um, he says, um, There are other types of motions and changes that push the animal to make that change. If there's a change in the weather, um, it got cold, it got hot, it, uh, it needs something, or, or its body needs something, um, it, it, it's going to look for something. Or it, it, it has some sort of um, plan where it wants to go, it wants to hunt somewhere, or whatever it is. So one of these three items will move him. In other words, either uh, some sort of running away from something, going to something, and so on. And each one, um, each one pushes different motions. If he's hunting, he's going one direction, if he's going another direction. He also says... Another issue, if you do not have eternal motion, is that everything that is new must have had the potential to be there beforehand. And he is, and um, the the uh, Aristotle uses this point also. To prove that that the time must be forever in motion, because again, if everything needs that potential before, so so it's a never-ending cycle. Now he says. If motion is eternal, there's only one type of motion that could possibly fit that bill, and that's round, that's that's circular, orbital motion. Because any motion that's going to somewhere, because the world is limited, so its motion will be limited. And he had passed it before that the world itself does have physical end to it, so you cannot go in one direction forever um, because you'll be stopped somewhere. The only type of motion that's possibly eternal is orbital, which is what the heavenly bodies do all the time. So again, he said, um, because we're going to have, if we don't have this, but rather we're going to have a motion that's going straight, we're going to run into the problem of um, it, it, something can't be going forever 
because there's nothing there. So the only motion that fits um, that fits the bill is circular motion. So basically, Aristotle is saying there is circular motion, which is eternal. It is, it is a type of material that is of a different type than the material we're used to, and it's eternal. So time and motion are eternal, and that's what Aristotle believes. And these are the reasons. Now, um, so this, this point that Aristotle makes, this, this uh, proposition, premise, he said, reading Aristotle carefully, I don't think that he feels that his proofs are absolute. He feels they're the best explanation of the lot. So he says, even Aristotle didn't believe that these are axioms, that these are uh, are 100% mukhlat. He felt that this was on the, 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 uh, you know, taking stock of the pros and cons, he felt that it's probably, it's it's probably right. Those who, um, who read him and explained his works and you know, his Talmudim, they say that, the, that Aristotle feels it's an axiom. And it's proven by him. The Medabrim, on the other hand, those were the Muslim scholars he spoke at before, they say it's impossible. Um, there is no way to understand something that is it keeps going on and on. Um, and they said that that just like I can't picture um, a uh, infinite amount of points, so too I can't picture anything that's infinite. Um, so 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 he said they feel it to be an axiom. My opinion is, I believe that is it's a possibility, not an impossibility, and not um, something that must be. It it's something that can be. And 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 it's not it, it's not been proven to be impossible. It's not been improved, proved to be an absolute necessity. We're not going to go to Aristotle's rise now. Um, he does actually go through them, and the, he his points which are the strong ones or the weak ones. I'm not going to show um, my problems with his. I'm not going to explain. Um, I'm not trying to uh, my my I want to use his points, even granting this one, to to develop the few arguments that he has about their existence of a supreme being and so on. What I want to do is to remember all of these previous prepositions. Um, that when we're going to try to prove <coughs> the the, um, the 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 existence of a Baruch Hu is incorporeality and 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 his oneness, 
I'm going to make use of all of these points. So now, first argument, first point um, the, the, um, is going to be based on the 25th axiom. That there's something that moved. You know, as we said, that all, all of this world consists of matter and form, and there had to be something that imposed the form. This, the matter and the form are two separate things, and something had to bring them together. So we see everything in this world required some action to make it what it was, because even, even sand, sand has a, 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 a height and a size and, and, and how the different grains are interspersed. It, it is not, there's nothing that, that doesn't have it a, a form. So everything needed to become the, 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 the way it is. The, um, when we ask ourselves, what is it that pushed that? So it must be something else. Um, we, we, we'd said before, there are four different ways in which things can transition. We said from existence to non-existence to, to getting a, 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 a mikra and so on. This is something that um, must go to some to some point. So if you keep going, in other words, you cannot have an infinite amount of causes. All causes have to an infinite amount of causes is no causes. Then, then it's 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 a contradiction. So in order to have something, you must have um, a point that all goes to, and that is the Geshem HaChamishi. So the concept of motion, action, flux in the world, all, all boils down to this Geshem HaChamishi. In other words, it's all coming from there. Now, once again, it's not, he's going he's gonna to give some examples, but to today's science, it actually is quite simple. Um, we, we, don't, we, we don't have this Geshem Hamishi idea, but the idea that all the power in the world comes from the sun makes a lot of sense. Um, in other words, everything that works in the, and, and, and everything that moves in the world is solar energy. It just, sometimes the solar energy is locked in plants, sometimes it's locked in this. In other words, once you have a source of energy and or movement, this is the way it keeps going. So the engine of the world is this 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 Geshem Hamishi, this incessant motion of the heavenly bodies, and 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 you can trace back everything. It all comes from there. And if you keep tracing back what caused what, what caused what, what caused what, you're going to end up with something celestial bodies. 
the academics of Ritnuis. And the galgal it moves in the sense of um, physical motion from place to place. That's what he calls Ritnuis Hataka, and which is the primary movement. Like he said before, so if you keep looking at every motion in the world and keep tracing it back, 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 you'll end up there. And he gives a dogma. This, the, the, the stone that moved in your makel, it, it, it was hit by a stick. The stick was moved by the hand. The, 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 the muscles moved it. So um, so so he traces back the human body working and then the 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 natural warmth uh, you know so so to speak the living force in the person. Um, now, so so I trace back a person's actions back to his head, to his to, to his mind. So so the long after long tracing anatomically the, all the steps, I get to the person's mind. Why did he decide to hit the stick? There has to be a reason for it. Um, so he says, he's trying to get the, the, that particular stone into a hole. Now, he's not talking about golf. Rather, he, he wants to put, get into a hole to block the, 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 to block the hole. So that the wind is not coming in. So what makes the wind? What makes wind? The galgal. So he gives here, like he, he sketched out an example how you can trace everything back ultimately to the to the to the to the galgal. So everything comes back. So so we 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 make a pyramid and everything comes back to this this to us to to the wheel that's moving eternally. Now. Now, when, when we finally got to this galgal, something has to move it. Like we said, everything that's moving hasn't moved it. Um, the, 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 um, the, this, this thing over here, the movement, must come from outside. Why? Now, it, it, you know, so, so even though this, 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 these galgalim are eternally moving, the movement came from outside. Why? The Imhoya Chutzman, and, and the reason is, I'll explain because, I'll flesh out in a minute. The Imhoya Chutzman, if it's outside of him, lo yimolet meyse geshem, shebilte geshem. So it has to be either physical or non-physical. And if it's something non-physical, then the word is not the right term, but the right term is not, is it, it's not only outside, it's of a different 
um, of a different dimension, so to speak. If on the other hand, so he says, if it's an outside force, that outside force cannot be physical. And it explains why, because it will explain soon, because you can't have an infinite force existing within a physical. If the if the force was inside it, there was some sort of force or energy in the galgal, which would keep it going eternally. So this inside force is either something that is going to um, be. Um, divisible inside it, or not divisible, but goes along with it, like the like the neshama and a goof. Now the problem is if it's if it's a type of thing that's divisible, like like the white color on a white on a white uh, board. So the problem with that is if the board is finite, then the whiteness is also finite. It, it, whatever force and energy, if the force and energy lies inside it, then it's going to be a problem because it's going to have to be as finite as these bodies are. They are finite. Um, but we'll see. That's the that's a strain of thought over here. So there are four possibilities. Geshem menu, an outside force. Or something which is in a different uh, dimension, a nivdal, or an inner force, but but of the quality like paint that you that it spreads out within the body, and therefore you can cut up with the body, or something which which is like an ashama to a goof, it's associated, but it's not mischal. Those are the four possibilities. Um, no. So now it goes to all. Harishan will knock out the first one. We'll say that what moves this galgal is something outside of it. Can't pick much Then we go back to square one again. So we have something physical moving something. So where's that moving from? And now the sixth type of material, because we have this, the, the celestial bodies, and then we have the super celestial bodies. So, so you fall back in the same trap of having to have an infinite amount of steps. So it can't be an outside physical force. He's skipping the second possibility because he wants to come back to it as the final one, as the one he likes. The third type. That the energy in the galgal that moves it is of like white paint, and, and, and you know it can be it can be cut apart with it. The galgal is physical, even though it's the fifth type of matter. It's still a physical being. We can see it, and we see it has a certain size. 
is so then the energy can also only be a certain size. If the energy is of the nature where it's a one-to-one ratio, like the white paint to the, to the wood, then 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 um, it's going to have to be a finite amount of energy, which puts you back to square one. So if it's if it's a type of matter that can be cut apart, it, it, it means it's a one-to-one association. And then and then since the, the, the galgal is, is finite, it's also finite. So he's eliminated the first and second, the fourth one. Maybe it's something like an ashama. It can't be that that force makes it um, go constantly. The, the, um, let, uh, because it, in, when we talk about a, a person who's moved by the neshama, that movement is, um, is is always in temporary stages. It's not infinite, even though the thing associated with it. So he's going to give a marshal. So you have a person, he has an ashama, which is sort of the type that's that's associated not point for point. So we don't have the problem. The sham is infinite, it's associated with the body, and 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 the and, and the, the sham can be infinite, the body finite. So we don't have the problem of we have a different problem. Why does a person move? A person is, is exists and he has an ashama that moves him. He, he walked upstairs. Um, so, so it's it's the it's the neshama that has um, moved that has moved the body to go upwards, but the neshama takes along with the body. The neshama gets moved as an associate to this body because my neshama is totally me. So if I go, neshama has to come. And if the nefesh decides I've had enough, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, moving anywhere. So, um, so the nefesh decides to, to take it easy. The guf is not going to go. And when the guf comes to rest, um the 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 uh, it will then stop in other words as far as the body is concerned movement to it is incidental it's not part of its essence because it's the neshama that decides we're going someplace and then i go up and then the shaman decides we've had enough and it stops so that means i'm not it's a motion i'm just um I, I get moved occasionally. So there it says, so, sorry, so, so he said, so if that's true, 
So there has to be an outside reason for me to move the body. The body is not in constant motion. It's being moved by neshama. The neshama is as a reason why it's going someplace, and then it moves the body along. So if you need a reason for movement, in other words, a person moves only because he has a reason, then, then, then that by definition can't be constant. It, 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 even if it happens many, many times, but that means that the etzim, the motion is, is infrequent. It, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not steady. It's not permanent. And therefore, it, it, we, we can't find it to be a permanent motion. Therefore, the only way left to explain is that must have that fifth galgo must have something else. Something that doesn't fit the picture of something that it itself does not have that rule that it must be moved by something that moves. And then when you find that cause, So this is going back to the to, to the to the to the thing before that. If it was an associate type of thing, it would not, it would it would there couldn't be a continuous unless it's the thing outside it is eternal. Then the thing that's associated with it can't can't um, move it constantly. So basically, any force, any, anything that's associated with a neshama type thing is going to have, um, is going to have not eternal motion. Okay. So therefore, we're going to have to find something that is going to be nivdal. Um, and not part of the same setup as the thing that's moving, of a very different type. And finally, the last paragraph in this, in this point. If the galgal is eternal and constant, not a body and not something that's associated with the body. Actually, the thing so that the thing that moves it, um, it fits none of the clone that we said before. Um, it doesn't have something that moves it, not Bezat Bimikra. It can't be divided or subdivided. It can't change. And the only thing that fits as exists for Vizel, like Kaiskal Shmoitz, and Lema Sivar Shane. I'm nearly gobble.
Okay, so it's very interesting. So the Raman brings his first proof over here from the constant motion of the Galgalim. The Rambam in Mishnah Torah brings the same proof. And now it's the Rambam in, 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 in here, in Mona Buch, I mean, he's going to go through, he has like three or four, he has three or four arguments over here um, based on, uh, you know, based using the premises of, of the philosophers, he, 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 he builds this up. What, what I find fascinating is, um, so why doesn't he use the same argument of the existence of matter. In other words, it, it basically boils down to the fact that you're going to keep running into a, a stream of never-ending cause and effects. So that's... Um, and, and therefore, um, he says that uh, it's... It, and, and therefore, motion, it, it must come from that. Why not matter? He does have it. I think it's a third of the argument of his deals with Hawaii and Hefzit. But I, I, I don't know. And, and, in, and in Mission Torah, he has only one line of reasoning. He's, he defines HaKadosh Baruch as the one that keeps everything in motion. So I'm not sure if logically he found motion to be much more eternal and, and meaning cause effect. I, I, I don't know. In, in other words, it's as if matter is a thing that exists. And a person could posit, well, Things exist forever. Motion requires a conscious act of sorts, and that's that's much stronger. It could be that it focuses on Akadish Baruch Hu as a um, as a mashgiach in the Bria, not just as the creator, but as the ongoing force that propels it. That's a possibility. Um, you know why he chose motion over over just mere existence. Um, I'm not sure. I I, I don't I, I don't know. It, it, I always find it interesting. There's one more point over here that I I, I think is a very important in this line of argument. I always say, you know, when, when somebody gives you the argument, well, where did everything come from? So, um, you know, you're a scientist. Well, where did this come? This came from this. Where did this come? This came from this. Where did this come? This came from this. Okay, and at some point, I'm going to pin it to the wall where it come from. And the poor scientist, you know, he picks up his hands and he gives up. And then he turns to me and he says, so Rabbi, could you explain to me where this very first, you know, a primal matter comes from? I say, from God. And he says, great, Rabbi. And where's God come from? And I tell him, oh, you're not allowed to ask these questions. So, so the only thing I proved is I'm more from than he is. I, I didn't actually... Um, I didn't actually um, win much. I mean, I moved one step above him, but that's it. So I think if you look at the Rambam, and I think it's logic, the Rambam says the first thing is what it proves, what it does prove is that there is a dimension to the world at a Shorishtika level that's beyond, beyond grasp in the sense I'm not talking about we, we're not smart enough. Our mind, our tfisa, the tfisa of the Bria is cause and effect. That's the basic logic, the basic unit of a logical circuit is cause and effect. And we, at first glance, w- w- apply it to everything that, you know, everything. 
It, we, 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 you know, a, a, a rational person doesn't believe there's an effect that cause. But, but what I've proved to you is like he says, there's a nivdal. There's something that is of a different nature. And part of being different nature means not that it's green and has eyes. It means that the, the core, our basic um, structure of logic isn't, it's like, it's like eating soup with a, with a fork. Our mind is a fork, which is very good feeding steaks. It can't handle chicken soup well. Just it just it it's just not the tool for it. Then he says, and that's a, and that's a Baruch. In other words, before we say Akadish Baruch, we want to define what we found. What I did find is the scientist's most basic premise is that cause and effect is the tool that can explain the world, and cause and effect is is reason at its at its at its core. And the answer is it cannot. And at some point, there is something that transcends reason. And, and that's, that's, that's the only statement I can make for sure. And that, that, that's a Baruch as we define him. You know, that's, that's the beginning of the definition. Okay, we'll hold it over here. Major, one quick question. What asked, I, I'm not sure if I caught it. I mean, the Rashiva was asking just now why... In, in, in Mishnah Torah, he doesn't also bring the existence of matter, meaning here he seems to be not do it because he's granting that one assumption to Aristotle, right? But, but, but it doesn't, but he goes, it's his third argument. And, and this is, well, in other words, you're right. He's saying in motion itself, he's granting that it might be eternal and so on. But in Mishnah Torah, where, where, that, where, where that seems to be the primary uh, you know that the primary point that 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 I found to be mostly that, that I found to be fascinating. I, I don't, you know, it could also be. I, I mean, you could say balabatish, but I don't think so. That it's a thing a person notices, like the Rambam says, a person sees this constant creation. We have to think about. We don't see creation; we see things. But here we see constant motion. We're, in a certain sense, we're witnessing the process of God, so to speak. I don't know. That's a possibility. But is there is there okay. also the weakness in that argument, in just in the sense that uh, maybe motion will end one day. I mean, you, you don't know. I mean, it's less than correct. correct. Um, okay. It, 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 well, in basically, his point is circular motion has no reason. If, if we don't see anything pushing it and it's constantly moving and it's not going to anywhere, why would it end? It, it, it should need a reason to end. Um, so if we'd see it getting slower, we'd say, okay, it's running out of steam. But if not, so something is moving it and constantly and low tachlis. That, that's, I think, the, the way he's arguing. Okay, good night. Good Shabbos. Good night.